It's the time of year when we're all thinking about goals and priorities. Now is the time to plan your next trip. Whatever kind of travel fills you up, whether it's lounging on the beach, connecting with family and friends, or going on a foreign adventure, Expedia has the tools you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a OneKey member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card, you call the number for help, and can't get a hold of anyone. If you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right, a real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. I think Glennon Doyle is a breath of fresh air and a name you should know. She's a new kind of spiritual teacher who's striking a chord with millions. Glennon first gained a worldwide following as the beloved blogger who bared her soul on her wildly popular website, Mamastery.com. Glennon's book, Love Warrior, is the biggest, loudest, wildest, truest thing she's ever put out in the world. I chose Love Warrior for my book club because of its bone marrow truth and the refreshing way Glennon describes her path to God and to her core self. I was struck by this, what you talk about in the very beginning of Love Warrior, about being a pretty little girl. Mm. And I was like, wow, gee, because pretty was not a word that I would ever have used or anyone would have used to describe myself as a little girl. Mm. I always thought the pretty little girls always had the life that I wish I could have. Mm. And so reading Love Warrior and hearing what it felt like to be pretty mm -hmm. and then to feel like you lost that, that your identity was that. So let me just, I love this when you say, I begin to understand that beauty warms people and smart cools people. I also understand that being loved for beauty is a tenuous situation for a girl. How old were you when you realized that? Well, I, would, I was probably 10, because 10 is when I became bulimic. Mm. 10, you became bulimic. Mm -hmm. But then there's, a, you, you know, you start the book talking about, you know, going to the ball games and being there with your father in your father's arms and your mother's smile was, mm -hmm. and walking in and everybody always saying, what a beautiful little girl, mm -hmm. what a beautiful little girl. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. I think the world wants girls to be pretty and small and quiet. And as long as I was able to stay pretty and small and quiet, everything mm -hmm. would be fine. Mm -hmm. And the second I figured out that what I'm, but what if, how, how, how can you be a successful girl if the purpose of, of being human and growing is to grow mm -hmm. and to find your voice? Mm -hmm. So it's a setup, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If to be a successful girl, you have to be small and quiet, but to be human, you have to become big and, and have a voice. And so everywhere you would go and people would say how pretty you were, you came to understand that that was a responsibility mm -hmm. to people, right? That they yeah. somehow had an expectation 
from yeah. you. Yeah. Or maybe it was like a power. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, like it was a power. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'm also a girl who, um, so when I was a senior in high school, I was admitted to a mental hospital mm -hmm. for bulimia and depression. And then the week after I got out of the mental hospital, I was sitting on a homecoming car, mm -hmm. w waving in the homecoming parade with a sash across me that said, leading leader of my class. <laughs> and I remember sitting there thinking, where do these people want to follow me to? <laughs> but it didn't matter because I was following the rules on the outside, mm -hmm. you know? And so that's when I figured out like, People who need help often look like people who don't need help. Right. The rules of high school are, you know, be pretty, be quiet, follow the powerful boy's lead. Like I actually was. Mm -hmm. I was following the underground rules of high school pretty well. It's just not a, those aren't the real rules of the world. So let's start with pretty, pretty, pretty. Everybody tells you everywhere you go. Family looks perfect. Everybody thinks everything's perfect. And then you're in the room with cousins. Mm -hmm. I think you were about eight, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And you see them flitting around and they are small mm -hmm. and you realize that you are growing mm -hmm. and you feel what? Afraid, other, scared, mm -hmm. um, lonely. I, I was really self-conscious. I think there are some kids who just aren't self-conscious. I see them. I just always was very self-conscious of my body and I felt other, I felt separate. Well, of course you would if, if you are objectified at a very young age, mm -hmm. where everywhere you go, people tell you how good you look. Yeah. So then you have that expectation for yourself mm -hmm. as a little girl, well, I've got to be pretty, otherwise people are not going to notice me or pay attention to me. Yeah. 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 And anytime you have an identity that's um, in something that can be taken from you, mm -hmm. you're afraid. You're afraid. So I think I was afraid because I knew that being a pretty girl is something that could be taken from me and it's taken from everyone when they're 12. <laughs> <laughs> right? The end of the game was soon. I could feel it coming on Everybody the Everybody had that duckling, that duckling stage yeah. coming. Yeah. Where we all look like we just came from part platypus, oh. part duck, part, yeah. How do we make it through? How do we make it through? Jeez, it's yes. early humbling. I don't know. I just think I was a really sensitive kid and um, I think I figured out that addiction was a place to hide. It's mm -hmm. a hiding place. Mm -hmm. You know, love and pain are so risky. And um, I think I figured out early that I was someone who couldn't handle either. And so why not hide? You know, mm -hmm. addiction is just a little hiding place where sensitive people can go so we don't have to be touched by love or pain. Yeah. And there was another epiphanal moment. I don't know where this is in the journey. Um, but you, I think you were standing outside church mm -hmm. and someone came up to you and said, you know, you're just so perfect. <laughs> you're just so perfect. And, and you are looking confused, right? They're saying you're just, just so perfect. And you came to the conclusion that when people see... Yeah. Well, I mean, because of what our culture tells you is success, yes. if you are a person who happens to be thin mm -hmm. and, and is wearing, you know, nice jeans, mm -hmm. people think that you have all of the universe's secrets in your pocket. Right. You know, and it's, uh, it's very interesting. Oh my God, especially the if you whole... got the jeans. Oh, forget it. Forget if you have it. on skinny forget jeans, you have zero, the rain has never fallen upon your head. <laughs> no. Yes, but I was saying to producers, it's just changed. Now it's, you have on, skinny jeans you have on, you know, you have, the, you know, you're driving the right car. 
every generation has its standard. Mm -hmm. It used to be, you know, you're in the church, your kids come to Sunday school, they're polite in front of people, mm -hmm. you make the best jello mold. You know, we, yeah. we, we, we change whatever it is. But I'm so glad it's not the jello mold. I'm so anymore. glad it's not the jello with the fruit in it. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think that's what, and we all have these, you know, perfect outsides or we try to make our outsides perfect. But I think that's what was so powerful to me the first time I went, my first recovery meeting. Yes. After high school, Glennon says her bulimia was replaced with a toxic mix of booze, boys, and drugs. The stranglehold of drug and alcohol addiction was so strong, Glennon says she never allowed herself to ever come down from a high. She lived in near-total darkness, avoiding daylight, and waking only after the sun had gone down. In her first memoir, Carry On Warrior, Glennon described her rock-bottom moment when she was 26, hungover on the bathroom floor, holding a pregnancy test and shaking. When I found out I was pregnant and decided that I wanted to be a mother but more than I wanted to be numb, that's the first time I wanted anything, more than I wanted to just be numb. Um, and my sister picked me up off the floor of the bathroom and took me to my first recovery meeting. And I remember sitting around the circle and thinking, oh my God, these are the first honest people I've ever met in my life. I love, I, these are my people. I am, they are all jacked up. <laughs> they are. Whew. A lot of problems, Whew. yeah. But we're all all jacked up, right? Mm -hmm. And their outsides matched their insides. Mm -hmm. It was so, it was like, it was a relief. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, sitting at that meeting was the first time where I figured out, maybe I can do this. Maybe mm -hmm. I can be a sober, vertical human being. Mm. Mm -hmm. Those honest people. So for you, the addiction, the bulimia, you were running from what? You were afraid of what? I was afraid of pain. Mm -hmm. I really thought of myself as broken. I thought of myself as someone who could not handle pain. Um, and so I hid from it. And what had broken you? Listen, I just think this is, I used to, nothing. I used to think I was broken. I wrote in my first book that I was broken. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And now it just makes me mad every time. This is why, I, this is why writing words in books is so precarious. <laughs> because? This is why Jesus only wrote in the sand. <laughs> right? Like, I just, I hate that I wrote that. I don't think that I'm broken at all. I think, so this is what I, I tell people about being sensitive, just being a sensitive human being. I no longer think that I'm a mess. I just think I'm a deeply feeling person in a messy world. Mm -hmm. Totally different. Yeah. I th you and know, you respond to energy different. Absolutely. L uh, many families have children who are the sensitive ones. And a lot of families, I remember, I never forget this on the Oprah show years ago. Somebody said, the child who is, there's no such thing as a black sheep of the family. Mm -hmm. That every black sheep is the person in the family who energetically responded to everything around them in such a way that they absorbed all of the other family's energy, conscious and subconscious, and they absorb everything around them environmentally differently than the rest of the family. And they're a gift. And they're a gift. Yes. As opposed to considering the fact that, that these might be um, sensitive people who are responding to a broken world. Yes, yes, right? yes. Macy's Mother's Day gift guide has the perfect gift to make mom feel special. Shop by price, like 25 and under to 100 and under. Category, like fragrance, handbags, and more. Or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything. Gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted and for grandma. Get top gifts like Dolce & Gabbana Devotion, Eau de Parfum, Coach Floral Printed Leather Cassie Crossbody Bag, and Le Creuset Shallot Dutch Oven. Shop at Macy's.com slash gift finder. 
The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. You say we, especially women, find out very early in life that there is a system to telling the truth that splits us in two. Mm -hmm. Explain that. Sister Glennon. Um, Yeah, I mean, I felt split into my entire life. There is the part of me on the outside that's saying the things that I'm supposed to say, mm-hmm. like I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's good. <laughs> Marriage is like Disney. <laughs> Parenting fulfilled. Yeah. Um, and then there's the part on the inside of me that's like scared and lonely and um, confused a lot. Mm-hmm. And what I think that happens is I really think that we are all truth tellers. I think we were just made to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. And so I think that people who, it is very hard for the world to hear the truth from a woman. It's easier for the world to hear the truth from a man. Yes. But since negative emotions are less acceptable from a woman, right. we end up sometimes telling our truth in different ways than words, dangerous ways. Like this is, was the food for me, the booze for me. I think we tell the truth with something. Everybody tells the truth with something, whether it's they say I'm not fine with a credit card, or they say I'm not fine with um, overeating, or they say I'm not fine with booze or sex yes, or yes, yes. What, unkindness or whatever it is, which is why it's so powerful when you can integrate those two selves and, and tell the truth, the story right. of what's going on on your inside with your words. Absolutely. But you also say that every little girl is told at some point that the, that the world does not want to see the ugly, afraid, secret version of who they really are. Oh, that's... Absolutely true. They just want to hear, I'm fine. Yeah, but the, the other truth is that some people are desperate for it like, they're, like, they, want, like they need air. Right. That, that, that it's worth all the rejection you get when you're real. Um, because, some, some, because every time you tell the truth, it just you know, clears the field for other people to tell the truth. Okay. And then the truth gets bigger and bigger. And is that was the breakthrough the first time you went to a recovery meeting where you just went, oh, wow, these are my people? Because I thought, oh, this is the way you can do life. Mm-hmm. You actually don't have to do the shiny, perfect thing. You can um, get through life by showing up and saying, okay, it actually is this hard, and I need help. I need a higher power, and I need you. And that's how we're going to get through this thing together. I mean, I, I wanted to cry at the end of the first recovery meeting when I figured out that you have to leave. Like, th- this is you're going to send me back mm. in there, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? And so I just wanted to make my whole life into just a recovery meeting. Mm. And in many ways you now have, mm-hmm. wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. When did you first decide that you were going to blog it? 
Well, what was behind that? I tried to tell that? the truth in the real life Yes. a uh -huh. few times. Yeah. I remember after I brought my littlest home, mm -hmm. um, I was staying home with my three kids because that is an amazing idea for someone with high anxiety. Mm -hmm. I was just dripping with babies and just, and I remember going to a play date mm -hmm. and the woman turned to me and said, um, so how do you feel? Like you've got the three babies at home, how do you feel? And I thought, awesome, we're gonna talk about how we feel. And I remember, because I'm a metaphor girl, right? Mm -hmm. So I've been working on a metaphor for how I felt. So mm -hmm. I said, okay, I don't know a lot about science, but I know there's like two different kinds of volcanoes. And um, the first volcano is an active volcano, and the second one is a dormant one. And the dormant volcano looks calm on the outside, but inside she's like bubbling with boiling hot lava that at any moment could just explode and mm -hmm. kill everyone in the vicinity. That's how I feel as a stay-at-home mom all day. <laughs> And by the way, that's perfect. That's exactly how it feels. It's an amazing metaphor. But, ev but everybody just, just silence and just like wide eyes. Uh -huh. And I had that moment where I was like, oh, we're not doing that here. Oh, you didn't mean how I really felt. So then I said, okay, what I meant is that I just love every minute of it. I just... I hate when they sleep, I just stare at them. <laughs> and I think if there's one word that would describe how I feel as a mother, it would be fulfilled. That's how I feel, is fulfilled. And then we ended the moment. And I thought, okay, well, we're not gonna be honest at playdates, uh -huh. all right? Uh -huh. That's a shame. So. At, but saying that is what made the other person feel comfortable, feel a sense of relief. Probably, like, or afraid for me, or I don't afraid, know. Or Maybe some calls yes, to people, like, I don't oh, know. God, that Glennon's not right, right, right something's right. not right with her. So then, um, I actually did, I was desperate for a place to tell the truth. Uh -huh. I knew I needed that for my sobriety. Uh -huh. You know, to just stay naked and unashamed, like this is me and I don't think it's a mistake. So I knew I needed a place to tell the truth and I actually did start feeling this invitation to start writing. Mm -hmm. Like it felt like a annoying tap from God, like really? get off the couch and start writing. But I ignored it because I just love watching TV. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so one day I was passing the computer and I saw this thing going on on Facebook called the 25 things. Yes. So my friends were just like making lists about things about themselves and I thought, awesome, I can make a list. So I sat down at the computer the 25 things list. you don't know about me. Right, yes, right, okay. yes. Uh -huh. And so I walked away, and two hours later I came back, and Oprah there were like, it, my list had been shared all these times from my personal page, and I had 27 new emails, and I thought something, something. And, I and your sister called. Six times. Yeah. So that's our bat signal for like, I've done something inappropriate that's going to require a lot of cleanup on her part. Yeah. So, um, so... So then I, that's when I thought, oh, I really should have read someone else's list before I did mine. So my, this is my number six. I'm a recovering food and alcohol addict, but I still find myself missing booze in the same twisted way that we can miss people who repeatedly beat us and leave us for dead. That was your number six. Okay. It's true. Mm-hmm. True. But here's my friend Sarah's number six. My favorite snack food is hummus. Wow. <laughs> Oprah, all of them, all of mine were like that. Like all of that was like the most lighthearted one. And so I thought, oh, we're not doing that here 
either. We weren't doing that. Yeah. And I wanted to die. I just wanted to just take it all back. But then later that night, I started opening those emails from people. And they were from people who I had known my whole life, but I had never really known. Because they, these emails said things like, oh my gosh, Glennon, I just read your list and I've been bulimic for 12 years and I've never told anyone. Glennon, I just read your list. My husband and I are struggling. We don't know where to turn. Glennon, I just read your list. My dad's depressed and on and on. And then they all, they'd all be like, I mean, not all of it because whoa, but like number four. Yeah. All of them would say that as a disclaimer. And I thought, this is interesting. This is like, this truth telling is something that can unlock people. You know, like if we're really For meant sure. to connect For with sure. each other, then what are we wasting our time? Yeah with this other pretense stuff. thing yeah. yeah what are we doing yeah and, and i felt i felt connected mm -hmm. i felt connected like the real me to the other real other people you know oh. the stuff we mm -hmm. were meant to help each other carry mm -hmm. yeah. yes and if everybody were being honest it would be so much easier for everybody to carry it. Oh. because everybody who's going through something even listening to us now you think you're the only one mm. that's why i started the oprah show you know mm. and what i said on the very first day of the show I want people who are watching the show to know that you're not alone. That was my intention, to know that there's somebody who's felt what you're feeling. When Lynn met her husband, Craig Melton, she says she had only been sober 10 nights before they decided to marry. After the birth of their second child, Craig admitted to Glennon he'd been unfaithful throughout their 13-year marriage. Glennon says she sat in stillness to process what happened but ultimately chose to share their private journey with her readers. When you made a big decision, whether or not you were going to talk about Craig in this way, where you were going to out your marriage, where yeah. you were going to out the infidelity. So you had been feeling for a very long time, and I know, if you, you just us talking about this, there are a lot of other people who can relate to this story. Mm -hmm. You're feeling for a long time, the lack of intimacy, connection, blaming yourself for what that is, right? Yeah. And then you went to therapy. Yeah. You're going yeah. to therapy. Mm -hmm. You're going to therapy to try to fix that. Yeah, I mean, I was going to therapy to try to fix him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's what I was yeah. doing there. Yeah. Um, but then one day in therapy, oh my gosh, we, we were just sitting there. I thought we were just going to talk about something mundane. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And yeah, he, he said, I, I, I have to tell you something or I don't there know. There is something about. I have to tell you. Yeah. The second he said that, I was like, oh, this is when oh, this is the time in life when everything falls apart. I just knew. You knew it? Yeah. And then Craig said? He said, I've been unfaithful. And it wasn't, or there have been other women. I think those were the words. There have been mm -hmm. other women. Mm -hmm. And so for us, it wasn't one, a one-time thing. So when, the, when your husband says that, like, does your heart stop beating? Do you, do you th what, what, what's going through your head in that moment? What yeah. are, you, are you thinking life as I know it is slide. about landslide? Landslide. landslide. Yeah. Like everything is being pulled out from under you. Mm -hmm. um, because now I can look back and see what, that there was plenty wrong, but I didn't know at the time. And, and whenever anyone had told me that they didn't know, I thought they were. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the like, signs are always on. there. Yeah. 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 I always thought, come on. Um, but I really didn't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that day we separated. I just said, get your stuff and get out. Um, and I don't know. I mean, the, the lucky thing for me was that I, I, I remember knowing. I mean, I'd been through rock bottom before. Like, I'd been through a serious, it felt like an eviction from my life. 
All right, it felt like I, someone had handed me an eviction notice mm -hmm. from my life. Like this little life that you've created that you love. Here you go, you're out. But I'd had that before because um, the pregnancy test was an eviction for my life. Mm -hmm. The difference was that my life sucked with the first eviction. I mean, I was a drunk. Mm -hmm. So that it felt like um, being invited to something better. This one didn't feel like that. This one felt like just... Landslide. Landslide, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, the way I think about rock bottom now, whether it's the rock bottom of my marriage or my individual rock bottom, is that rock bottom is a crisis. Okay, it's a crisis. And everyone wants to avoid crisis. But what crisis means literally is to sift. Okay, like a child who goes to the beach, the sand, yes. lifts up the sand and watches all the sand fall away, hoping mm -hmm. that there's treasure left over. Yes. And that's what crisis does, has done for me. It comes into my life and I have to watch everything fall away that I thought that I needed mm -hmm. so I can find out what's left over. And what was left over the first time and what was left over the second time is really my faith and my hope and my love. Those are the things that can't be taken from me, right? And I think that's why women who have been to rock bottom, um, I think that's why they're the brave ones and the kind ones and the wise ones. That's right. And the ones who can laugh at the days to come. Yes. Because they're the ones who know that the only things you really need are also the things that can't be taken from you. And so fear goes. Down there at rock bottom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I don't know, I think that really what happened when crisis came in and stripped me of that perfect mom and wife thing, I think I found a truer identity. I really do. And I think I figured out that the only identity that I will ever be allowed to claim is child of God. Like that's what I was named when I was born. That's who I'll be when I die. And that's the only identity that, I'll, that I have that nobody can come and change or take. And that has made me a little less fearful. Mm, that's so powerful. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Life is a highway. And on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. I never believed, Oprah, ever, mm -hmm. that I needed to save my marriage to save myself. Like, I, I, I just always knew that the end of the road was redemption, either way. Mm -hmm. That if we stayed together, that was redemption. And that if we separated and but used the pain to heal ourselves, that that was redemption. Mm -hmm. It's very important for me to say that I think that sometimes um, if a woman has a choice between saving her soul and saving her marriage, she needs to save her soul that if your soul or your body or your mind are being threatened in any way by your marriage, then you just go. And you um, know deeply that there is a big difference between leaving a marriage and leaving God. Mm -hmm. That there is a huge difference between leaving a man and leaving God. Yeah. Because God is every bit of the God of, of woman as God is of man. Yeah. 
The tweet is, there's a difference between saving your marriage and saving your soul. Mm -hmm. You save your soul. Amen. And God will go with you. And God will go with you. You leave your marriage, God just comes yeah. with you. But also beautiful that either way, redemption would have come if you stayed. Mm. Redemption would have come if you'd gone. Absolutely. Yes. And um, that's when I got my Be Still tattoo because... It seemed like at that time there was just voices everywhere. You know, there were voices of people, even good people wanted to help me, but everybody had an opinion of what mm -hmm. I should do. You should stay, you should go, you should. Mm -hmm. um, and there was, my only hope during that time was that I knew if I got very still for just a few minutes a day, that I would know what to do next. How did you know that? I think, and this is the best way I can describe it because it's so hard to describe. When it's my fear or when it's my mind, it's words. My mind loves words, 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 words. We're making this excuse to stay. We're blah, 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 blah. arguments. When it's God, it's just a knowing. It's just lower. It's deep. It's a voice that doesn't speak in words. It's like you can be saying words and, and the knowing comes and is opposite of that. Absolutely. Right? Oh, yeah. So the, 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 the fear in the mind is words. That's why you said be still be and know. Be still and know. Exactly. Yes. And you know. And yes. the reason for the going and the coming is because the knowing doesn't give you a five-year plan. Like, it just only tells you the next right thing. And so today it was stay away. Don't go back for comfort. Don't abandon yourself. Don't do it. And then a week later it was try. You know, it was different constantly, but I had to check in to get the knowing. That's right. I don't know what's going to happen. I, for one, know that I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, the, the be still and know, it, it, it's not about right or wrong. It's not about doing the right thing or the wrong thing. It's about doing the precise thing that's directed to you. I was struck by something happened to one of you. I think it was, it was Chase mm -hmm. who had come to you, and he asked you, Mom, Mommy, why does God make things die? Mm -hmm. Why do we lose things that we love? Mm -hmm. And your answer to him struck me so. Share that, will you? Yeah, and it goes with the marriage thing, too. I mean, I, I don't think that God gives us love, other people or animals, or um, so that we have them forever. I think that God gives us love so that it changes us. And I think that so that we grow. And I think that that is how I feel about marriage, too. What I told him about is fish. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because, you know, I really think that, and when we bring up the idea of death, um, things have to die for new life. I think of love and marriage now as, you know, plants. Like we have annuals and we have perennials, right? And um, the annual plant blooms for a season, and then the winter comes and takes it out and doesn't bloom again perennial plant blooms and the winter comes and it goes away and then comes back. And I think that's what loves are. Like some loves are just meant for a season and they, they aren't going to bloom again, right? But what happens with that kind of love is that it goes back into the soil to create richer, newer soil for the next love to bloom, right? It's not that it was wasted. No love is wasted and love never fails. Whether your love is an annual or a perennial, the, the result of both are new life. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's what I think. I think love just comes to love and change you and to make you better. Yeah. So if you've had it in your life, if you had love, however it showed up for you, it was there to elevate you, 
to change you and to make you better. That's exactly right. And you know what I loved? I loved Chase's response to that. He said, I can believe that. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that great? I think that's great. Sometimes I give them faith answers and they're like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but that one was believable. I can believe yeah. that. Yeah. What are you most proud of yourself for right now? Oh, without a doubt, my sobriety. I'm so excited. I'm a person who for the first half of my life was so scared of pain mm -hmm. and I ran from it in so many ways. I just thought I was a person that couldn't handle it. And now um, I'm, I think of pain as like, a, um, I feel like a scientist who has like discovered this new material that inside mm -hmm. of it has life-changing properties, you know? Like, do you remember those commercials where like the second things got kind of uncomfortable, yeah. a red button would come up and someone would hit it and then everybody would just be transported out of the That's stressful right. place into this pain-free place? So what happens when we transport ourselves out of the pain is that we miss all of our transformation. Because everything that we need to know to become the people we were meant to be is actually inside of our hot loneliness. So when we jump out of it, when we jump off our mat, we are like um, caterpillars who jump out of our cocoon right before we would have become butterflies. You know, so all of those easy buttons I was using, I, mine were food and booze and um, drugs, but you know, some people's are, are sex and shopping and um, Overworking unkindness. Overworking and unkindness. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh, because when I feel someone's been unkind, I know that all that just happened is that they just felt the hot loneliness, but they don't know how to be still with it. So they just treat it like a hot potato and pass it on to the next person. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But pain is not a hot potato. Pain is a traveling professor. And it just goes and knocks on everyone's door. And the smartest people I know are the people who say, come in and just don't leave until you've taught me what I need to know. To their pain. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's running away from it. We should be running in it, towards it. Towards it. Everybody's right. afraid of their pain, but what they should be afraid of is the easy buttons. Yes. Because that's where the suffering comes in, right? Pain is mandatory for all of us. It's what teaches us. But suffering is optional. That's what I, I did for the first 25 years. That's what happens when we try to skip over the pain, when we try to like get to the resurrection before the crucifixion, <laughs> right? That's, that's right. what every, all of our suffering is. Yeah. It's trying to rise before the fall. You got to get through Saturday. Yes. Before you, you can hit Sunday morning. That's right. Yeah, you got to get through That's Saturday. That's the deal. Yeah. You are very wise. You are like a super soul oh, vision. Oh, I got a super soul clap. Uh, now I can just die <laughs> happy. Super soul Sunday. Yay, Glennon. What a great job. Oh, thank you so much, Oprah. Fantastic. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.